Welcome once again to We Muse Aloud, a podcast where anonymous voices share their thoughts on a theme within a dreamscape of music and ambient sound. Thank you for the warm response to the grief episode. We weren't sure how it would be received, and the feedback was very reassuring. In this episode, we take the anonymous element of We Muse Aloud all the way to 11. When last season's Grudges episode happened, one contributor agreed to participate on the condition that their voice would be altered enough to be unrecognizable. It worked so well that someone suggested an entire episode where people could confess more personal stories behind the veil of anonymity. And here we are. Each of this episode's contributing voices is sharing something that they don't normally tell people. Because all of the voices are altered, it's a very unusual sounding episode. Ogres and leprechauns share stories about bathroom emergencies, private obsessions, and infidelity in a variety of forms. As always, We Muse Aloud is best enjoyed with headphones for the full sonic experience. Ready? Episode 16. Dirty. Little. Secrets. So after a relationship ended, I had, was sort of coming out of that and feeling what I recognize now at the time was really manic. Like I, I was feeling really high all the time and feeling really great. And sort of right as this was happening, right as that relationship was ending, right as I felt sort of free, I was sort of aggressively pursued by, uh, by a married man, which then led to uh, a relationship that lasted over a year that I refused to call an affair at the time, but now the only thing I can call it is clearly an affair. Um, you can justify anything to yourself sort of when you're in the mess of it. Uh, in the beginning, I mean, to his credit, and I will give him credit, in the early days he said, this is only about sex and it's only ever gonna be about sex. And I said, great, like I have no, there's nothing, I can't deal with an attachment right now, like I'm happy with this. And I mean, we had excellent sexual chemistry. Uh, it started off just as texting, of course, started off on Twitter of all places and it moved into sort of texting. And then, you know, once I was alone, he came to my apartment and I, I skipped work and stayed home for this guy to come see me. And it was explosive. Um, I'd say for the first few months, it really, we kept it, like it was, it was all about sex. Um, and uh, and then somewhere along the line, our relationship took a real shift. Um, and uh, we really needed one another, which was a, a bizarre a bizarre thing. He was on the road a lot for work, and at the end of the day, every day he would call his wife, and then he would call me. And um, you know, it it became a thing where I uh, I absolutely would say that I was completely in love with him. And I feel like in his own way it was the same for me, but also I look back at him now and a lot of his behavior was super manipulative and 
and just bad. And I tried to end it several times throughout the course of our relationship. And he'd give me about a week, and then he'd be back at me. And even when I finally did end it completely, he was always there. He was always hovering, ready to strike. And you know, he sent me money occasionally, even after we stopped seeing one another. Um, he sent me money when I was seeing someone else. Um, and I just called him and said, like, I can't accept this. And he goes, there are no strings attached to this. And I'm not, you know, I want you to take it. So I did. And uh, I only sort of really started pulling the plug entirely when I met my now boyfriend. And, and he would check in occasionally over the past few months. But there was an incident recently where I had to just completely block him. I had to block him on every single platform. I had to block his phone number. I had to do everything because he would not let go. And even now, I, like, he knows what, where I walk uh, my dog, he knows where I work, he knows where I live. And honestly, there are days where I, I see a car that looks like his and I worry that he's shown up somewhere that I am. And uh, I mean, the only saving grace is that he is someone who is very prominent in his field. And if this was discovered about him, his career would be over in the nature of his business. And so I have that card. I have friends who are journalists I could end this for him really quick. So this is a story about how I ended up at the sex club with someone I used to watch on TV when I was a kid. Um, we, we met, uh, what I thought it was, was going to be a one-night stand. Um, I just I met this guy and in a different away from home in a different city and we just had this amazing connection and I just come out of a relationship so I um, went home with him and I'd never done that with anyone before and I was young and um, had this incredible chemistry like I don't know how to describe it I, I hope it was I hope it was mutual I mean. I just always felt like this electricity between us that, that continued over the years that we were kind of seeing each other. And um, I feel like I need to say all that to say, you know, that's how we, we ended up going to a sax club. Uh, yeah, which is insane. Um, it's the craziest thing I've ever done and something like not a lot of people like us know about me. Um, we, we decided it's something we wanted to do and I felt so safe with him and really trusted him and knew we would have a great time whether or not we decided to do anything. And I, and I didn't think we would do anything, um, but we went to this place and first when we got there, we kept all our clothes on and walked around holding hands and just scared of... Uh, what we were going to see, um, but it ended up being actually a really cool atmosphere. Everyone that was there was normal looking. I think we were afraid it would be a bunch of older people, but um, soon like the, this group of younger people um, was like, hey, newbies, come over here, and we went and sat with them for a while, and you know, and then eventually they're like, um, oh, and we did we did explore the place on our own. Um, which was so funny because as soon as somebody, we would like start getting it on and then as soon as somebody would walk in, we'd act like our parents just walked in the room and everyone was like, uh, that's kind of the point of this place. Um, 
And so anyway, this, this group of young people was like, do you guys want to come with us to the Red Room? And we're like, uh, uh, sure, yeah, totally, you know. And we're like, we need a minute. So we kind of like huddled and we're like, okay, is this, what, what, what do you think is going on in the Red Room? Are they all going to have sex with each other? Like, what's going on? And as we were doing that, one of the girls came up to him and recognized him and was like, I know who you, who you are, um, not even who you remind me of, who you are. And he, he had to like play it off as if um, it wasn't really him because he's, he's a pretty recognizable face if you uh, watch the show when, when you were younger. And... It was, it was so, like, just dealing with his shock and then going, but, and, like, having to play it off and then going into this red room where there are all these naked couples and they're all doing it with each other. Um, we didn't do it with other people. We kind of only did it with our, with each other and, you know, I did other stuff with other people and, but the, just the experience of it was so surreal and um, so fun and something I'll probably, I don't know if I'd ever do it again just because frankly I've lost faith that I'll ever have chemistry with something like that again. Um, but yeah, it was a really crazy, incredible night. And I mean, the story itself, I guess, isn't that interesting, but... Um, Anyway, it's crazy. It's great. That's basically. So a few years ago, I was going through a pretty tumultuous time in university. Uh, papers were piling up, exams were were on the on the rise as well too, and I was having some stuff going on with my family as well. My mom and I had got into a bit of a fight and so it was a pretty dark time. It was in third year. I was living in a basement apartment that kept flooding and had just been broken into and it was it was pretty dark. Um, my dirty little secret, I don't think like what I'm about to, like all of these things that have led up to it won't really justify what I'm about to tell you, but I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. Um, a way that I, uh, I would try and deal with uh, the, uh, the stress of the time was to go to a place where I knew that I A, wouldn't see anybody I knew, uh, B, was dark, um, and I would be anonymous and had consistency. So I was gonna pay some money, I knew how much it, well, I knew what I was gonna get out of it. Um, it was an experience where I could just switch off and nobody uh, would know me or be able to judge me like you guys are gonna do right now. Um, I chose one film in the theater and I went to go see it uh, not once, not twice, not even five times, but 13 times. I saw Twilight in theaters 13 times. I spent over $400 watching Twilight in theaters 13 times, and no amount of stress or family trouble or exams or anything should ever lead to something as dark as watching Twilight in th theaters 13 times, but I did it. And weirdly, it feels so good just to get that out. All right, so the whole thing started um, when I was in my undergrad, and I was a lot, I was a lot more shy and um, shy around girls, I suppose, women, and 
Uh, I was just I was just getting a bit of self confidence, and I've been on a few dates and stuff, but nothing nothing steady. And the whole thing started when somebody messaged me on Facebook, and somebody I didn't know, not a friend, but had a friend in common anyway. And uh, and just creeping her profile, I saw that um, she looks kind of maybe early 30s, and I would have been uh, kind of early 20s at that time, but. Yeah, bit of an age difference, but um, with not being in the field too much, so to speak, that was kind of exciting. So, so I contacted our mutual friend and asked how she knew her, and she said, "Oh, I knew I knew this person from school and stuff, and we were really close, but she seemed nice enough." So then I messaged her. Uh, she messaged me that. Oh, like uh, you look pretty cute. Would you like to go for a drink sometime? So it's it's kind of straight out of the out of the bush type of thing. Like it, it caught me, it, I don't know, caught me by surprise. But yeah, so I messaged her. I'm like, oh, what the hell? Like uh, I was talking to my roommate about it as well, and he said, just go for it. Whatever. It's just a drink. It doesn't mean anything. So I did that, and we went for a drink, and that was a good time. We talked a decent amount, and. Um, she did quite a bit of talking and stuff, and, and I did mostly listening. But it was a, it was still a good time, and and again, it was one of those things that after enough repetition starts to boost my confidence, and that's exactly what I needed. And um, then nothing really happened that night. I just went back to my place, and then we went out one more time, um, and then the second time we went out. She ended up coming back to my place and stuff, and uh, she was just walking walking me home first before she went home because uh, she lived a, a little bit further away and stuff. And then she ended up coming inside, and we had like we were pretty pretty drunk at this point. We had we had a few drinks, um, definitely definitely enough to remember. I don't know, maybe I don't know, a couple pictures or something like that. And then she well, we we ended up in my room and stuff and we started making out and then clothes started coming off and the, the general routine I suppose and then um, then at some point uh, after like when we started having sex and and after foreplay there was a little bit of foreplay as well um, she she said she kind of caught me off guard by saying like um, oh like um she knew, she knew my dad was a doctor and stuff, and, and she was one of her patients. And, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. So it was kind of in, like just during foreplay and stuff. It was I don't even remember how it came up. I just remember that that it happened. And I'm like, oh, that's completely random. But I'm used to people telling me about uh, about him because he's a good doctor and and all that stuff. But anyway, then it ended up coming about that. She also said, um, like, and this is, this is, uh, that was just a one-time thing. And after that, it kind of ended and we just continued. So then, um, kind of after the, the second time we had sex, because we, we slept together a few times that night. And, um, after one of the last times, uh, it was, it was a long night. Um, she ended up saying like, oh, you have a lot of similarities to your dad and my parents was still, to my knowledge, happily married and all that stuff. Like they, they definitely are married. I, you know, they, they argue and stuff, but that's it. So then it completely caught me off guard, of course, because 
this person obviously knows who I am, knows that I'm my dad's son, and is doing something here that I don't even understand, but, like, and my dad is, like, the nicest person in the world, completely selfless, and helps everyone, and is always in such a good mood and stuff, and for him to have an affair before before I was told that would have absolutely not, that would never happen. So not only did I learn he had an affair, but I have just multiple times slept with a person that he had an affair with. And so she, she found me on Facebook, hunted me down, and then pursued me until, until we slept together. And then um, apparently uh, later on, I don't know, I don't think my dad knew right away, but then eventually he ended up kind of putting the pieces together because I, I asked who she was and stuff, but without saying that anything happened between him and I. And then, um, yeah, so it was, it was kind of awkward getting out of him, like who she was. And he would just say that she's like, a, she's a bad person in bed. Like, don't, don't really talk to her or anything like that. And, um, Oh, I forgot to mention, even after the fact that her and I slept together, like I was, I was just in shock, so much in shock that I, I didn't ask her to leave. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I just, I just kind of sat there and she kept trying to um, have sex with me even more after she told me as if, as if that made it like more exciting. I don't know for her or, or what. And like, ashamed to admit, I didn't necessarily stop her, but I certainly didn't, didn't like, do anything. I just was there. I was just a, a body for her, so to speak, just still. And um, there was like close to the last time, which was early in the morning at this point, because I, I didn't sleep. And um, she was still kind of grabbing at me at this point. I just like, I just got up and got out of the room and went into the shower. And by the time I got out of the shower, she was gone. So, um, she didn't really say bye or anything, but she just left. And I was grateful. I, I Good. I, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted her gone. I wanted to think. I had no idea what was going on. But fast forwarding, after talking to my dad about her, he said, yeah, she's not, uh, she's not a great person. Don't really talk to her and stuff. And um, she's patient. But, uh, and then he starts saying things like, oh, like, I've made mistakes. You know, I love your mom so much and all that stuff. And, uh, and it became kind of interesting. These were always car rides home because a car ride home would be about half an hour or so. And um, so it would be half an hour of him, uh, us talking. And during the, like, the last 10 minutes of the car ride, it was always him just kind of going back to, like, I love your mom so much and, and um, all that. And I guess eventually, after enough days going home with him, he said that, um, like, uh, this person is, like, trying to blackmail me and, and say that uh, she'll tell she'll tell my mom his wife about their affair if if he doesn't give her money and um yeah so that was that was a bizarre thing because we don't really have a lot of money anyway and um we're more middle class like comfortable middle class but definitely not like upper middle or anything like that and uh yeah so it was it was kind of a shock and and he didn't i think he kind of had a bit of sense that I did sleep with her um, and we didn't really talk about it too much but he knows he knew that I knew so then what ended up happening is is 
like we just kind of put it out in the open and I was telling him that like he has to tell mom he absolutely has to tell her and eventually like even if she doesn't find out right away if she finds out later that's way worse and if he finds if she finds out from the wrong person as well so he has to kind of come clean and and I, I strongly believe that they would like they, they would make it through that um, if, if he told her and all that but he was always saying yeah I'll do it I'll do it like it's not the right time yet um, I need to need to wait for something like that and there's always excuses for that type of thing like when you're in those shoes and you just want to put it off you feel like there will be a good time but there never is and um, so then eventually uh, I was I was helping my mom with chores and um, eventually she asked me if I knew who this this person was and the name she mentioned was the was the mistress so to speak and uh, then I, I say, yeah, like, she tried to add me to Facebook once. I didn't, of course, get into any details. But um, she said, oh, do you know this person? I said, yeah, I think, like, she tried to add me to Facebook, and we have a mutual friend, but I don't really know her that well. And she replies, um, she she's claiming that, like, she slept with with your father. And... And she also said that she slept with you, and I'm like, oh, that's, wow, that's crazy, that's wild. And I told her, I told her I never slept with her, even though that was a lie, but I, I was ashamed, I, I, I could not admit that I slept with her after, after mom figured out through this woman that dad slept with her too, because that would, that would have crushed her, absolutely. And I, I couldn't do that, I couldn't deny dad's, um dad's thing but I was single at the time anyway so for me it wasn't a big deal if it wasn't someone who slept with my dad as well you know so for me it was no problem the fact that she also slept with my father was just beyond beyond anything I've ever felt before it was just a, a weird just feeling that somebody exists that does that and, and she's a mother herself as well um divorced I imagine but uh she is a mother um, so for someone to do that, like with the child, makes me worry about the child as well. If this is the person that's raising you. And so, um, mom, she cried, she cried, cried a little bit. And then it was a really awkward, like two weeks that, that they didn't talk to each other about it, but they both talked to me about it. And, and I'm telling them that talk to each other about it, this, I, I can't do this. I, I was in my early 20s and I'm trying to deal with both of my role models going through some sort of scandal. And then it was really, really awkward. And by the time, uh, this was probably early December that that was happening. And then they ended up uh, talking to each other by mid-December and arguing all the time. And... Um, Mom was always usually a little short with dad, but at this point it was just extreme. Like any little thing would would send her over the edge. And then um, I have two older sisters as well, and they did not know about any of it. Um, so um, it was at the point where it was coming close to Christmas, and and then they're quarreling all the time, and my sisters are visiting home because. Uh, they both lived away at the time, and um, then they're wondering why mom and dad are arguing all the time. And I, I can't, I can't just be like, oh, it's it's because of this. It's because dad slept with someone else. 
and and I'm certainly not going to tell them that I also slept with them or slept with her. So uh, it got to the point where mom came up to me, and uh, this was on Christmas Eve, and told me to tell my sisters. Uh, so I don't know. I don't understand why. I didn't even question that, but I felt like it was a shitty thing to do, of course, like for me to tell my sisters, and I didn't want to do it. But I didn't question why it wasn't mom or dad telling them. Um, so I did it. Like, I just um, did it just like, oh, yeah, um, I guess I'll let them know this is awful, but they should know. Um, maybe I just felt like if I left it to mom and dad, it would never happen. Uh, but yeah, so I got them into the kitchen and I told them and one of them immediately started crying. The other one seemed pretty upset and that was pretty much our Christmas the whole way through. Um, it was just arguing. Everyone stayed to themselves and, and it was just very awkward and my parents stayed together. They're still together and mom still is fairly short with dad and dad always will say more often than he usually does how much like he loves his mom and he made a mistake years ago and all that but um ever since that moment it became very very tense between mom and dad and it still is first of all uh, you have to understand i had just come out of a long-term relationship um and then had just been brutally dumped by the rebound of that long-term relationship so for a couple months all i was doing was drinking a lot of red wine and a little bit of whiskey and eating like shit and i was bloated and i was depressed and everything was pretty much terrible so i made the decision after this girl had left me um that i was going to be clean living person for a couple months uh i was going to go on a strict diet um i was going to jog each morning i was going to have vitamin d pills and look at the sun and uh, become a new and enlightened individual, and that would surely bring me success and love. Um, this lasted for about three weeks, and for three weeks I was doing pretty solid. Basically all I ate was chicken breast and kale. Just chicken breast and kale. Uh, I would have a protein shake occasionally if I was feeling saucy. So chicken breast and kale, chicken breast and kale, chicken breast and kale, that's my thing. And then one day, um, my friend Ryan comes over. Uh, Ryan's been one of my oldest friends uh, for a long, long time. Uh, I've known him since I was about 11 or 12, and we get in trouble together. For a long time, I thought that uh, he was the negative influence on me, and meeting his friends, apparently I am the negative influence on him. But for whatever reason, we get fucked up when we're together. That is what we do. So Ryan comes over, and I explain that I've just had this breakup, and I'm clean living now, and I'm a kale, and yoga, and running, and chicken breast person. And he's like, fuck that shit, um, just have one drink with me. And I'm like, well, you know, it is his friend's birthday, why not? So I have one drink with Ryan, which turns into a bottle of wine with Ryan, which turns into a bottle of rum with Ryan, and I have not had alcohol in three weeks, so I am beyond fucked up. I'm super fucked up. Um, Ryan thinks that this is hilarious. Um, he thinks I'm being very, very funny, uh, and he's convinced me that I'm charming, which... I must have been because that night I met a very, very cute girl. I remember this very cute girl looking exactly like the person who had dumped me, uh, but I think I'm just projecting. I think I just wanted her to look like the person who had dumped me. Um, and I don't really remember what I said, but I must have said the right, right thing because at some point we're on the dance floor and we're bumping and grinding and we start making out. And it's really neat because I'm like, oh, this was kind of the goal of the clean living thing anyways. I was like, I wanted a cute girl 
pay attention to me and like me and validate me as a person. Fuck chicken breast. All I needed was more red wine. I should have doubled down on that thing. So one thing leads to another, and um, this girl and I start uh, walking home together. Uh, it turns out that she's the older sister of the girlfriend of the birthday boy. And everybody's like, no, no, don't leave us on. And we're like, we're getting out of here. We're doing the thing. Um, halfway home to her place, I do a thing that uh, I, I, I sometimes do, and I start having regrets before things have even happened. And I'm like, you know what? It's not okay for me to take you know, advantage of the situation, uh, completely ignoring the fact that we were both dancing all night, and I'm like, oh, and I don't know, if I don't love her, then I, I, I shouldn't be, you know, pursuing this in a, in a physical fashion, and, um, at that point, uh, when I'm thinking these heads, uh, these thoughts in my head, I also realize that my stomach is getting really, really messed up. Um, my stomach's getting really messed up, and I have to, uh, I have to pee, and I might have to poop, but I'm not sure. At the red light, uh, while all these things are going through my head, um, we start to kiss again. Uh, and she stops and she's like, I've just been through a breakup. And I'm like, of course you have, because why would you like me otherwise? Um, and uh, she's like, hey, I, I, I think I should bail here. Um, I, I don't think it's a great idea if you spend the night. And I'm like, you know what, it's cool. Uh, I was feeling a bit strange myself, That that's, that's fine. Um, so she walks off, uh, and we're right by her apartment, so she goes upstairs, and I'm saying, and I'm like, oh, forlorn, into the night. And that's when my stomach gets really, really, really messed up. And I look around, and we're at, uh, Queen and Ossington, and the bars are all closed because it's about 3.30 in the morning, and the Starbucks is closed, and the Tim Hortons is closed, and, uh, I have to poop really, really, really badly. Um, everything else in the area is Camp H. So I make a decision. I look at my wallet. I'm like, not enough time to get in the cab and not enough money to get home. I just have card. There's nothing around. And uh, I'm in a suit at this point. I, I should point out as well. I'm, I'm in a, you know, not an expensive suit, but not an inexpensive suit for me. I'm in a gray suit uh, with a white dress shirt. And I really need to shit. Um, <laughs> So I go around the corner uh, uh, behind this um, this uh, convenience store into this little alleyway, and I pull down my suit pants and I trip over and I pick myself up and I start to shit. I am just shitting, and this this is not like one of these like uh, nice solid um, like the piece is just coming out all as one. This is a uh, three weeks of kale and chicken breast and clean living combined with one night of rum and two bottles of red wine later shit. It is liquid and it is shameful. Um, I'm just like shooting liquid shame out of my asshole and, and it's messy and it's hitting the ground and it's, there's a splash zone. So it comes back up and it gets onto my suit and it smells, it smells awful. And I feel really, really, really embarrassed. And I pull up my pants and there's a big uh, shit stain on the front of my gray trousers. And I walk out and I'm back in front of this girl's apartment and this girl uh, has come back down looking for me. So I'm now standing, um, barely standing, in my shit-covered trousers, um, smelling of my own uh, kale and chicken breast and uh, red wine poo. And this girl who I had just made out with less than 10 minutes ago is looking at me and she looks over and through the glass, I can't hear this, but she makes the, uh, the motion of, 
I'm locked back upstairs. I get in a cab that I pay for with card. Um, the cabbie is sniffing the entire ride home and looking at me uh, like I'm a piece of garbage because I am a piece of garbage. I tip him really well on card and I get drunk for the next two weeks. So this is a secret that I, I held for a long time and was sort of a saga that lasted over a few years of my life. But like all big secrets that affect things in big ways, they end up holding a lot of little secrets kind of embedded in them, I think. And so, um, basically, you know, it's one of these things with relationships. I've never cheated on anyone that I've ever been in a relationship with, but um, I essentially cheated on my best friend with her boyfriend, one of my best friends, with her with her boyfriend, with her ex-boyfriend. He was her ex. And uh, she was still really fucked up about him. She'd left town uh, for a while. And he and I had always been friends. We'd always been close. There was like that old kind of thing sometimes of if things had gone differently, you know? Um, and it happened once, and I completely sort of blacked out um, the connections with their relationship. Like in my mind, I tried I, as best as I could to compartmentalize. Like their thing was real. That thing between him and I wasn't real, you know? Um, after it happened the first time, so it happened once, the first time. It happened once, the first time. And I was convinced that we needed to tell her. I had to tell her. I was distraught about it, I was really upset. Uh, how could I have done this, you know? I considered myself a pretty loyal friend. And I remember the phone call where he convinced me not to. Um, and, and one of the things that was so awkward about the whole thing, and I, I hesitate around this sometimes when I try and rationalize parts of it because it's not like I want to make myself look like I didn't have that agency, but this was somebody who I trusted quite a bit. Um, he was a friend of mine, and I had a hard time not thinking that he had people's best interest at heart, right? Like, my friend was somebody that, as far as I conceived of it and, and, and understood, he cared about quite a lot, despite them breaking up. Um, and so I gave him the benefit of the doubt in that respect. But it was hard because she was such a good friend of mine and I thought it was never gonna happen again. But I didn't know how to change things. I tried to let it not affect relationships, right? That thing about it not being real. Um, 
that I would end up at these gatherings, parties. I'd come out of the other bathroom, we'd be there, you know? And uh, it was sort of just this constant pressure to keep it going. And it's that thing of, of how sometimes in these circumstances, you assert yourself, you assert yourself, you assert yourself. But that constant wearing down of will, um, and a big part of our relationship at that time was also around kind of us both being non-good places. I was almost flunking out of undergrad at that point and was barely kind of holding my shit together. And we were drinking buddies too. So inevitably, you know, we would outlast whoever else was there and he would say, just come, just come here. And it was easier not to say no, which is, I think one of the worst things you can do for yourself. Um, some of the little secrets that become part of it, like actually gross me out. Um, and some of this, I mean, because this isn't, I guess, a totally unconventional kind of secret, but, but there are body things involved, right? Like, you know things about someone that you're not supposed to know about them. You know how they taste. You know how they feel. Um, and so one of the things that would happen is we'd be in, in a group of friends talking and and he would come up and I would have to watch what I would say. I would have to, I would have to have these two lines where I haven't quite lied, but, but you're doing all the liars thing of trying to keep the narrative straight. Um, and, and things would come up and I would be like, in my head, you know, sexual conversations between girlfriends would come up and they'd be talking about how X's tasted, what their cum tastes like, things like that. And in my head, I'd be like, he tastes awful. <laughs> and she would be like, no, he never, that was, that was never a problem. And I would go, what? And I would just have to bite my tongue, not like that's such an awful thing for me to have to do, but it was just a weird thing to not be able to be honest with somebody who you've built like your whole relationship on being honest with and knowing all the weirdest intimate details about like we were those friends. Um, and then it became her secret. No, I'm gonna go back. I remember sitting on a porch with her. Um, the day after I had an abortion. And she had been the person to make sure that she was gonna come home and be there with me for the next couple of days or the next day or so. Just, she did all of that. She checked in, she stayed with me. We were sitting on my porch and I was thinking about what a good friend she was. And I was thinking about how this was a friendship that was built on the idea that we would be friends 
until we were old ladies. And I was picturing myself, like, as I was sitting four feet from her, going, am I going to tell you when we're, like, 75 years old? Like, is this a thing that, that I'm only, like, the number of times I tried and wanted and thought about telling her that I was so afraid of losing her. I was so afraid to not have that friendship anymore. But I actually would picture this, like, finally telling her when our friendship would be almost coming to an end. <laughs> because life would be ending. And I was like, you know, this is one of those things I'm going to have to carry my whole life. Because I don't think that I can lose her. And I'd already had to come to terms with losing him because it became clear to me that the only way it was going to end was if I stopped seeing him, stopped spending time with him. Um, I started to recognize how manipulative all of it was and I just had to, you know, I just had to back out. Um, but yeah, so eventually, without my knowing, it became her secret. And what I mean by that is that she knew and I didn't know she knew. And so, um, we were at a party, an event, and she and I ended up on, you know, outside somewhere, somewhat alone, and, and, and she seemed so nervous. And I didn't quite know why, but, <laughs> like, how could it? She told me that she'd heard a thing, and that she had spent the last six months not wanting to believe it, that she was afraid that if she came to me with that piece of information, that I would be so angry at her for thinking that I could do such a thing. So here was this friend of mine thinking that I was above this thing and protecting me for really the better part of a year from, from the shame of, of even thinking that I could do such a thing. <clears throat> Turns out um, the guy um, had gotten drunk one night and called a mutual friend. And on the phone, he had told him what had happened between him and I, and that friend was in a room with another friend, and that other friend had overheard or was told part of it. And when my girlfriend basically um, ended up talking to him about how upset she was about another thing that she had felt bad about, that she thought she had done to me. Um, 
he said, don't you even worry. You have nothing to feel bad about. And he told her, he told her that, you know, after they had broken up, he and I were together. And, you know, it, it got more complicated because she and him got back together for a while, for a bit. And so there's all this, like, when she found out when I had to tell her, yes, like, yeah, that happened. She needed all these details. She wanted all these details. But there had been so much time at that point. There had been so many years that I wasn't even sure what was true. Like, the secret wasn't a secret anymore, but I couldn't tell her the truth completely. I had to try and figure it out, and it was messy. So, uh, yeah. When she found out, she wrote him an email that uh, basically said, you know, you're a piece of shit. And, uh, like, in fashion, in the same fashion as always, he never addressed it. He never wrote her back. But he called me and tried to talk to me about it. And I, I told him at that point, you know, there's only one person who I'm making decisions around this about anymore, and it's not you. So I can't help you. I can't help you figure this out. I can't help you sort out your feelings. But uh, she knows. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode's contributing voices were six people whose names are none of your business. If you've been enjoying We Muse Aloud, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can follow us at facebook.com slash wemusealoud, and follow us on Twitter at wemusealoud. The best thing would be if you could subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes. There are four more episodes coming, one every second Sunday, before We Muse Aloud comes to a conclusion. Next is the return of last season's questions format, which will be a lot of fun and who knows where the topics will lead. Who knows anything, really? <laughs>